And that inverted bowl they call the sky, where under crawling cooped we live and die. Lift not your hands to it for help, for it as impotently moves as you or I. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind. Your hosts here in London, Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin. That is beautiful. I'll tell you what, Matt, that was okay. See what I did there? Ah! Oh, wow, you've, you've, you've really hit the nail on the head. Who was it? Well, I'm sure all our listeners will recognise it as Omar Khayyam. That is just beautiful. Who was born on the 18th of May, 1048, and was a Persian mathematician, astronomer and poet as we've just heard. That was quite a while ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, he introduced the Jalali calendar. Okay. Alongside other mathematicians from Nishapur. And the Jalali calendar was a true solar calendar. It has a unique 33-year intercalculation cycle. Whoa. <laughs> based on quadrennial and quinquennial leap years. Easy for you yeah. to say. 25 years that three, with 365 days and eight leap years of 366 days. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. It uh, was in use in greater Iran from the 11th to the 20th century. And in 1925, it was simplified to make it more modern. Blimey. So it's, it's, yeah. it's, that lasted a test of time, didn't it? Yeah. With an error of one day accumulating over 5,000 years compared to the Gregorian 3,330 years. Take that, Gregorian. Moritz Cantor, whoever he is, considered the most perfect calendar ever devised. Well, who's going to argue with Moritz Cantor? Not me, Matt. No. And as you can hear from the uh, original quote, even though his job really was astrology for the kind of local king, I mm. guess, he, he didn't really give it much time. You know, he was, he was a proper astronomer. He really was. His job was to make things like weather predictions and stuff like that based on astrology, but he wasn't very good at it, apparently. Oh. Well... <laughs> but he was very good at coming up with calendars. I'm tipping my cap. It's his birthday on the 18th of May, which is the same as my brother's. Well, Matt, talking of birthdays... Mm-hmm. I mean, you know what I'm going to say, don't you? This is a big hero of yours. It is literally, my, possibly my biggest hero, full stop. May the 11th, 1918... Richard Feynman. Brilliant. I mean, what can you say about that man? I mean, it's what you can't say about him is probably probably easier. That's very true. I mean, I wish he was more involved with space, actually. But obviously, his uh, scientific and et cetera, et cetera, breakthroughs aren't aren't necessarily related to space. But one thing he did was possibly the last kind of his last contribution to public life, I mm. guess, was the Rogers Commission that was set up after the Challenger disaster. And his most famous part of that is um, is really him demonstrating... He came up with a way of demonstrating how the O-rings in the solid rocket boosters uh, were faulty. And, you know, they were all denying it. So he just got the same material... Uh, G-clamped it up, put it in some cold water and then pulled it out and then showed the entire audience, including the television people. Uh, and no one knew that he was going to do it. He just did it and it, and showed that these O-rings didn't 
flex back to where they should have been once they were cold. Uh, and it's a genius. It, it actually does show what a, an amazing teacher he was. And and that's what that's why he's one right. of my heroes. Is he's one of those people that can clearly do, and as a result, can clearly teach. And he was an absolute legend. What a, what an ace ace person. See, that's the thing, isn't it? You can be as intelligent as 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 anybody, but if you've got no way of retaining and passing that knowledge on, it's useless. Yeah, and he was a master at it. Yeah, not only that, he he always believed in the truth. And in, in, in what has to be one of my favourite books, What Do You Care What Other People Think? He, he, a, lar- a large chunk of it is, is the, talks about the NASA, um, talks about NASA and how, how disappointed he was with the mm. high-ranking managers who seemed to just, just did not get statistics. So the managers would say things like, oh, yeah, there's, a, there's only a one in 100,000 chance of catastrophic failure for the shuttle. Yet the engineers were all saying, well, it's kind of one in 200. Mm. And then he just realized, well, there's clearly a massive disconnect. And, and what made him angry, of course, is that the one in 100,000 chance was the thing that, that NASA used to recruit Krista McAuliffe, the mm. teacher that, that ended up dying in, in the Challenger disaster. So, right. you know, he was, uh, he was adamant that that would go into the report. And he, he wouldn't sign off the report until he'd put in his, like, appendix, which was basically this damning report on NASA. So he's definitely changed NASA. And out of that report comes one of my favourite quotes by, by him, which is this, for a successful technology, reality must take precedence over public relations, for nature cannot be fooled. Yeah, that's perfect, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, and you know, it's almost like you should live your life like that. Absolutely. <laughs> Completely I mean, agree. we could probably... We could probably end every single uh, news article with that quote. Yeah, I think we should start doing that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, <laughs> well, I mean, so what have uh, we got? What have we got coming up in space news, Jamie? Well, it's only SpaceX Block Five. Yes, eight years and fifty-one flights of developing the Falcon Nine rocket. SpaceX has taken all of the lessons it's learned into the Block 5 variant of the booster that flew its maiden voyage last Friday. Yeah, so just after we released the last podcast. And we managed not to talk about this on the last podcast, which I thought was very very quite restrained of us. Like I said a a couple of weeks ago, I think that this SpaceX Block 5 version is is in some ways more important than the Falcon Heavy launch. Uh, It's massively important. So... Musk said in a uh, one of those big phone conferences, he's, he um, he's, he commented about how crazy hard the Block Five was to develop. Mm. Uh, but the whole idea is that it sh- it should be able to fly within twenty four hours of flying before. Uh, he said it needs to re- they need to demonstrate it, but it looks like it can be done. And he noted that, of course, it's it's been since two thousand and two, sixteen years of extreme effort and many iterations of thousands of small but important development changes to get to where we think this is even possible. And then a big pause and went, crazy hard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear, crazy hard. Yeah. Crazy hard. Which was a bit, you know, which was, wasn't that your nickname at school? Yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't like to brag, but you didn't mess with me. The gun, the Jamie gun show. Yeah, 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 it's lethal. I've calmed down in my old age, Matt. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're, you're a bit more, yeah, a bit more reasonable. Exactly. I'm a, I'm a scholar now, as you know. 
Mm. Oh, absolutely. Mm. A gent and a scholar. Yeah. yeah. And a lover. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so most of, these, most of these little iterations and changes of recent times mm. have been uh, uh, to increase the safety because, of course, NASA's human rating are quite requirements are quite extensive. So that's a lot of it's gone into making it, you know, safe for human flight. Yes. Uh, so NASA already said that they need to see seven flights. Never did find out why it's seven flights. So if anyone out there knows why seven, why the number seven? Why seven? seven? Flights of the bl- why seven? Uh, why seven flights of the Block 5? But yeah, they want to see seven flights of the Block 5 before they can sort of say, certify it as being human ready. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So do you know what they changed? What's like the big, the big things from full thrust up to Block 5? Do you know what the differences are? No, tell me. So they've got like a they've strengthened the octaweb. The octaweb is the is the sort of structure on the bottom of the of the the first stage booster that holds the uh nine Merlin engines in place and they've strengthened that uh and given it better heat protection. Aha. Okay. So yeah, it's it's made from high grade titanium now. Um, rather than just some composite material they were using before. It's my kind of and, element. Yeah, and you'll notice, or the sharp-eyed of you would have noticed, that the that the actual whole booster looks really different because of that black interstage uh, and the landing legs that have been painted with a new thermal protective paint uh, that doesn't require repainting. So uh, that that's that's what that was all about. So um, that's another little another little um, boost there. So it's upgraded its thrust as well. So th- seven thousand six hundred kilonewtons of thrust. Now, what I want to know from listeners out there, and this will go to my fact at the end of the program. So here we go. Get your pencils out. So if you listen to our space fact at the end of the program. I want you to convert or tell me what the gigawatts of a Falcon 9 rocket are. What power does it output? Because I'm finding this incredible. This fact at the end is just amazing. Matt, um, how many gigawatts was it in Back to the Future ooh, that well, that's Dr. A point. Emmett yeah. Brown freaked out about? That's, a, that's another great question. I don't know, but yeah, because someone, without watching the film or, or going to Google... Someone let me know. <laughs> Excellent. So that's two questions for you. There will be a test. Wait till you hear the fact at the end and see if you can tell, in the same wording as Alexander Gerst, the famous European astronaut, see if you can come up with a, a similar fact for the Falcon 9. There we go. So how quickly can the this, this Block 5 that's just flown and landed successfully, how quickly can it be relaunched? Musk. He says, ironically, we need to take it all apart to confirm it does not need to be taken apart. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's quite good. So, uh, so, it, so that particular, the first one isn't going to fly in 24 hours. It's obviously mm. going to take a few months before they... But, but basically, they're going to take it all apart and, look, and see if they're right about all their engineering and et cetera, et cetera, and, and, that, it's, and it's, that it will be good to go straight away. I mean, literally, it's going to land... The landing legs should be able to pop up. They should sort of move it back to the launch pad and it should be able to be good to go. Just like, as Musk keeps saying over and over again, like an aircraft. Yeah, absolutely. 
Wow. So hopefully they'll, yeah, and he plans to do that in 2019, which I think <sighs> is pretty incredible. And he reckons that some of the Block 5 rockets at that point, in two, uh, by the end of 2019, should have, one of them at least, will have flown 10 flights. That's so, the year that we have to go to a SpaceX launch bat. Yeah. I think that's our year. Yeah, 2019, we'll meet all the other podcasters for a drink. Yes, I'd like that. And have like a, 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 a an Uber podcast. By the way, Matt, talking of other podcasts, we must mention, if you if you don't follow us on Instagram, uh, what are you doing? Uh, duh. Um, secondly, uh, check out the Off Nominal podcast. Because yeah. lovely Jake, uh, whilst Anthony was away, decided to give us a buzz, didn't he, Matt? And we were on the show. We were on the show, had a little chat. So, had a little um, chat. so go and, please go and have a little listen to that. Um, absolutely it was most fun so thank you jake it was most uh, fun jake for, for hosting us jake came up with some very interesting points that really did uh, yeah I, I really i really do you know it's what's great when i'm in when you're in the moment of doing a podcast you sometimes don't take that stuff in and when you re-listen to it, you go oh wow yeah i re-listened to it and i and i i need to download that thing tonight what's it the eyes on the earth was it Oh yeah, eyes on the earth. Yeah, or is it eyes really on the skies? I can't remember. But no, eyes on the solar system. JPL. Yes, eyes on the solar system. JPL's eyes on the solar system. So if you if you haven't heard about that, Google it. Download the software. I'm going to get involved and report back. They reckon they want to build thirty to fifty Block Five rockets. So that's going to fly about three hundred missions, or well, three hundred to five hundred missions, uh, presumably, if they're going to fly ten ten each. That's not bad ROI, is it, Matt? No, no. Like if it's yeah, if it's five hundred missions, that it's going to get a lot of money back, isn't it? And and then yes. he's he's going to develop the big Falcon rocket in the meantime. So actually, that we should look at the SpaceX if it reduces costs, whether they're going to pass that reduction in cost on straight away, or they're going to plow it into big Falcon rocket. So, um, according to Musk, the first stage accounts for sixty percent of the cost of a, of a rocket. So they're getting that one back. They really, really want to try and get this upper stage back as well. So they're, they're really looking into that. So that should be interesting development. That's 20% mm. of a rocket ca- cost. 10% is the fairings. And obviously they're desperately trying to, to uh, recover fairings and they're making progress on that. And then fuel costs are between 300,000 and $500,000 according to Musk. So, uh, that's about it, really. So the, all the other costs are these kind of overheads and, of course, the development of the Falcon family of rockets in the first place. So he's going to put... I, I, I'd imagine the price isn't going to drop down to $6.2 million, for example. Mm. It's currently at $62 million, uh for a launch on Falcon 9. There's no way it's going to go down to 10% of that. So I Wouldn't think have thought so. But he may be able to get the price down to him you know, his uh, landed cost, if you uh, excuse the pun, down to mm, something good. like that. And then he can plough all that money into, yeah, big, big Falcon rocket and, of course, his Starlink internet satellite programme. Ah, of course. God damn, it's exciting, isn't it? Yeah. So he's so not not only that, not only have we just seen the uh, a Falcon Block 5, in the in this week, we're going to see two Falcon Nine launches, Falcon Nine full thrust from Vandenberg and Cape Canaveral. Get your popcorn. It's a classic case of bashing them out. <laughs> it is. It is. 
So the, the, the first Falcon 9 launch is going to be um, for the Iridium next, but also hitching a, a ride with that Iridium uh, satellite is going to be a German uh, space agency, the DLR, not to be confused with the Docklands Light Railway. Yes. The Grace FO, which I think is one of those uh, laser-style <laughs> satellites we were talking with. I think Jake it is. On the off-nominal. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so that's going to that's gonna go up. That's going to go up on the 22nd of May or thereabouts. Uh-huh. Uh, good weather, etc. Um, and uh, straight after that, on the 24th of May, from Cape Canaveral, is going to be SES-12, oh, a satellite. Glory. Yeah, communication One of satellite. my favourites. <laughs> yes. So uh, let's move on from Musk. <laughs> yeah. Drink. Drink. Uh, and talk about more uh, American space news. I thought this is this is worth a mention. So those CubeSats that we were talking about, the Marco, oh, yeah. the Marco ones, the CubeSats that have gone into deep space, the first CubeSats to go into deep space. How far have they got? They've got a million kilometers from Earth. Jesus! And you know what they did when they when they got there? Uh, had a drink. They did have a drink. They had a drink, and then that was it. And that's the end of the story. No, that's it done. No, no, they they took a photo. They took a photo. Wow! Of the Earth and the Moon, so that it was a it was part of an it was an engineering photo to show that the uh, spacecraft's high gain antenna had properly unfolded. They made they did it in such a way that it captured Earth and the Moon as tiny little. Specks. Where can people see that photo, Matt? I just go just go to NASA and and type in Marco B because it was Marco B that took it, which the team call Wally. Which I think is quite funny, and that the the team <laughs> tell you what's quite funny about the Marco team. Hmm. They all wear polo jumpers called Marco Polos. <laughs> good, good. good Let's see huh? what they've done. They're all, they're, so they're all having fun in that office. They are having fun. Yeah. I'll tell you what, there's space geeks having fun. Space geeks having fun. Tomfoolery having fun. Space geeks oh, having fun. I work Space geeks having fun. Yeah, I think that's quite. I think that song's got a bit of um, got a, got a, got legs. Firstly, they slap a bum. Space geeks having fun. They're having fun. Something like that. Yeah, I like it. Maybe no, not no. bum. Maybe not the bum bit. It goes down a weird route. Well, it could lead to people getting sacked at work. Hey, Matt. You know what I want to talk about? No, not until you tell me. Well, I want to talk about. India's GSAT 11. So what's the latest in GSAT 11 world? Well, hashtag retested and ready. Uh, The heaviest ever Indian craft was returned to India for further testing with a focus on its electrical systems after an expensive in-orbit failure on 29th of March by a predecessor, GSAT 6A. Uh, Mm -hmm. The GSAT 11 carries 40 transponders. Discussions will start with Ariane Spitz for a suitable launch date. What, what are your thoughts? My thoughts are that was quick. So they've taken that GSAT 11 back, tested it, and now they're going to send it back to <laughs> back to the jungle to be flown yeah. on. Uh, yeah, with Ariane Space. So yeah, that's quite that's quite interesting. It must be quite expensive to ship something like that sort of size around the world just for. You would have thought a, so. A quick electrical test. You would have thought they could have just phoned up a local electrician and said can you stick your flute meter in there mate sounds sounds rude um yeah that's definitely worth more than a first class stamp isn't it mm-hmm. 
So the uh, ISRO, according to Sivan, are, uh, are working uh, simultaneously on the GSAT 29, and that that's mm. due to be launched in June or July. So they better hurry up and get GSAT 11 up. I'll tell you what else the uh, Indian Space Agency have been up to. Go on. Green propellant, an environmentally friendly version of hydrazine. Yeah. Ah, yes, I read about this. How's that all going? Well, I think I think they're doing really well. So it's the thing about hydrazine is it, it's pretty nasty stuff. It's it's carcinogenic and very very toxic. So it's not mm. it's not exactly a nice fuel. Uh, but it's unfortunately it's it's unbelievably uh, energy dense. So it's been very very popular for um, for the space industry. No doubt. But it but it's you know obviously manufacturing it, storing it, handling it, transporting it is all pretty <laughs> pretty grim. Right, the theme tune. <laughs> so this has all been you know. So uh, hopefully they've managed to uh, formulate this new uh, type of. Fuel called hydroxyl ammonium nitrate. Boom. Mm. Hand. I'm loving India at the moment. I think, yeah, they're they're, I think they're smashing it. Yeah, they did have a fire. They did have a fire recently, but uh, apparently no spacecraft were damaged. Uh, some fire at the Ahmedabad Gujarat facility, space application centre. Oh. Yeah. Well, I'm but, glad but, nothing was too hurt. No. So, uh, do you want to hear what the Chinese are up to? Let's do China. Okay, so China, Long March 4C is going up this week, and it will be carrying a really important relay satellite for the Chang'e 4 mission that uh, Uh David David Baker was talking to me a few weeks ago, uh, that goes to the far side of the moon. Not the dark side of the moon, the far side of the moon. The far side, yes. The radio dark side of the moon, we could call it. Yeah, so uh, so the, that that's going up. So that's an, obviously a an very important uh, part of that mission. Uh, so I think that's yeah, that's going to an Earth Moon uh, Lagrange point, the L two, my favourite of the Lagrange oh, points. Yes, you love that, don't you? And it, and it's in a halo orbit of some description there as a communications satellite for that uh, Changi four uh, launch. So that's going to be that's going to be very exciting when that happens. Um, one sort of. Uh, uh, one thing that finished this week was the Chinese um, analog of a moon landing uh, mission. So it's been called right. Yigong three six five, and Yigong one or Lunar Palace one uh-huh. uh, is basically a sort of great big uh, spacecraft simulator. Eight students have been taking it in turns in the Lunar Palace one for a total of three hundred and seventy days. And the last group left the sealed cabin this week after spending 110 days consecutively sealed in the lab. And it's uh, designed to uh, simulate a spacecraft in outer space. I want to go. The pictures of inside are absolutely amazing. Because you imagine how much how much stuff you need inside to keep people eight people alive for 110 days. Uh, yeah, yeah quite no, a bit. N- nothing's coming from the outside world. And the the sneaky thing is, you know, as I said, that they were up for three hundred and seventy days. Well, they added an extra five days on at the end as a, as a sort of uh, uh, pretending that there'd been a delay in returning to Earth and see how they could cope with it. Matt, can we get a go on this? I think we should. I think we should fly over to China and see if we can become uh, experimented on. I mean, if anyone's got knowledge of spaceflight, 
it isn't us, but but I'd love a go. Yeah, we well we'd we'd come out having a great deal more knowledge, wouldn't we? God, would we ever? And we'd have a hundred and ten days off doing the podcast. <laughs> or Matt, maybe we just live stream it. In fact, maybe that. maybe that's what we should do. Maybe for, for we should take a hundred and day, hundred and ten day holiday, and lock ourselves in a storage container, and uh, do the podcast as though we're pretending to do it on a spacecraft. God, that'd see. be a hell of a hell of a social experiment, wouldn't it? Yeah, I reckon that you'd have a mental breakdown after about four hours. <laughs> yeah, one of us would die. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, uh, you'd be in the corner um, tr- trying to grow your crops, and, th- yeah. and I'd be and I'd be in the corner trying to bioferment our waste. <laughs> I know it's 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 a savage look. Okie dokie. So what's been happening in Europe? Our own little continent. It's bloody Brexit, Matt. It's depressing. Ah, oh, yeah. So that Brexit row that we mentioned, of course, on on our podcast and on Off Nominal. Yes, it's es- it's e- it's escalating. It's escalating this Galileo row. It is. The British Space Agency wrote to thirteen firms to remind them <laughs> that they need security authorization to engage in any future contracts on the SatNav system. Basically, the UK government saying, okay, well, okay, you, if you're going to stop us from using the Galileo system, then we just won't uh, allow our technical expertise to help out building it, which would be a massive blow to the Galileo system because mm. it, is, uh, it is a lot of British companies and a lot of British expertise that um, are building these things. Yeah. For example, sorry, satellites have built the navigation payload on every single one of the operational Galileo satellites Yeah, they've, so far. Ba- they've basically turned around and said, look, if we need to make our own one, then no problem, we can do it. You just say. So it's like we're on hold to do our own thing. It's just so stubborn, isn't it? You can boot us out, but if you boot us out, then you, you, it's going to really delay your system and we'll just go and build our own. Tit for tat, as they say, Matt. I think this is actually going to get resolved. I hope so. This Brexit thing is so boring. Dull, I mean, isn't it? I, I almost feel like I've accidentally annoyed our listeners by talking about Brexit because I'm just bored of it. I just wish it was... Yeah. I wish somehow I could zip into five years in the future and, and have it over and done with. Should we never mention it again? It's not just Surrey Satellites, but Airbus and CGI, which was formerly called Logica. Oh, yes. And, and, it's, and it's working on... A, it's, it's actually... It's not the actual sat-nav thing that they're um, worried about. It's the PRS, the mm. Public Regulated Service. Yes. That, that's, that's, that they're being denied access to. Um, talking of Galileo, mm-hmm. the next two uh, satellites to go up uh, have arrived in the jungle at Karoo in French Guiana. Beautiful. To, uh, to be launched in July. So they're there. Um, and let's hope that Britain can still, you know, access them. <laughs> <laughs> Here's to hoping. Yeah, well, do you, do you remember uh, our podcast number 70? Do I ever? 11 podcasts ago. Mm-hmm. We talked a lot about the Planck Telescope. Yes. The team of ESA's Planck Telescope have been honoured with this year's 2018 Gruber Cosmology Prize. It's a hell of a prize. That is, uh, just to remind you, other winners include uh, Rainer Weiss and Kip Thorne and Ronald Drever of the LIGO team. Mm-hmm. 
for their detection of co- the collision of black holes. I mean, how cool is that? And last so year's cool. winner was Sandra M. Faber for a body of work that has helped establish many of the foundational principles underlying the modern understanding of the universe Oof. on its largest scales. But this year's winner, and very, very, very pleased to say, is ESA's Planck Telescope team. Congratulations. So do you know who else has entered into uh, joining the space race this, this, this month? I do, and this excites me greatly. It's Rwanda. Yeah. Join the space club. They're in. That is ace, well done, isn't it? Rwanda. University of Tokyo has signed an agreement with Rwanda to help it build a small satellite and train its future engineers. This is great stuff, Matt, isn't it? That, yeah, that was signed on the 9th of May in Rwanda's capital, which is what? Kigali. Yeah. You, you, did, you didn't think I, I knew that, did you? Tried to catch me out again, didn't you? No, I, it's the kind of place where, you, where you've been, being that you're the most jet-setty person I know. Oh, that's very sweet of you. Well, I haven't been there. I'd love to go. I think I might have flown over it, but that doesn't count. Uh, Matt, no, can we go? No, no, should, we, should we go? Yeah, let's, 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 let's do a world trip. I think we should. And, and high-five all the interplanetary podcast listeners. Matt, maybe on go. our 100th podcast, which is fast approaching. It is fast approaching. We're only 19 away, aren't we? Maybe, maybe we should do some Phileas Fogg action. Do you think we can do it 80 days around the world? <laughs> I could do it. Yeah. We could combine it with our, we could combine it with our moon analogue. Yes. And, uh, and basically go around the world in a sea container and not be allowed out. And, and doing it in 80 days and see what we look like when we come out the other end. I'm excited. Let's make it happen. The space fact. Here we go. <laughs> Alexander Guest, the uh, European astronaut, mm-hmm. uh, did a very camp photo of himself standing at the, at the business end of a, of a Soyuz mm. uh, rocket, uh, presumably the one that's going to carry him up to the International Space Station soon. And it, it's a hilarious pose that he's pulling. Um, and it's very Franklin-esque, <laughs> uh, isn't it? <laughs> it is very Franklin-esque. I was going to say that, but I didn't want to offend you. No, nah, not offended but, at uh, all. It, it, <laughs> he uh, he did. Uh, I, I noticed that um, Thomas Pasquet took the Mickey out of him on Twitter, and that's why I kind of saw this post, uh, which I thought was quite funny. But anyway, it goes like this: riding a rocket to space actually uses up less fuel than a transatlantic passenger flight. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Didn't know that. I saw you. Yeah. As our Soyuz carries 77 tonnes of kerosene and the rest is oxygen. The trick is to burn it quickly. These engines spit out 20 gigawatts. That's equivalent to 10 large nuclear power stations for two minutes. Jeez Louise. 10 large nuclear power stations, the power of the back business end of a Soyuz. The power what? of the business end guides the soul. What a tune that is, eh, Matt? Yeah, that is a tune. That is a beautiful tune. My question is, because I thought it was going to be really easy to convert, because when you look up, when you look up um, the power of rockets, it's, it's, rockets are always given in, um, in thrust rather than gigawatts. Mm. Mm. So... It kind of makes sense because it, it, it's yeah they're just different types of engines, um, but how do you convert from one to the other? It's not a straight 
forward conversion. But I obviously someone's done it for this particular Soyuz. That they're saying that the engines are spitting out 20 gigawatts. Mm. So I want a reader to write in and show me how they do it for Falcon 9 Block 5 and see what the gigawatts that one is so we can see how many large nuclear power stations that one's burning up. Oh, that is some homework. I think someone's going to get it. If I know our listeners... And I'm thinking, mate, uh, this Alexander Guest post, is it indeed correct? Does it spit out 20 gigawatts every second, or is that 20 gigawatts over the two minutes? That's mm. what I want to find out. Now yeah, and how did, he, the how did they work it out? Was it from the burning of the kerosene, or was it from the actual velocity of the rocket? Well, answers mm. on a postcard. Answers on a postcard now. Send it in. Do it. So that's it, listeners. No, no interview this week. We're just gonna, we're just gonna go naked. Just we us. haven't done a naked pod. Nah, yeah, no, we haven't back. done a naked podcast for Keeping a while. Keeping it cash. And, and if you want to hear us in conversation, go back to the off-nominal podcast that yeah. uh, Jake invited us on at the weekend. Absolutely. But we do have some awesome interviews coming up. We do. So stay posted, yeah? I did notice one last thing that I just wanted to say was that there's an interplanetary broadcast coin cryptocurrency, Jamie. What? <laughs> Do you want to get into it? Well, surely we own the rights. Well, I would have thought so. Um, and, and, the, and the coin logo looks very similar to ours. It's for, it seems to be for, for people making content for videos. They're going to be hearing from my lawyers. And by my lawyers, I mean my mum. <laughs> Is your mum a lawyer? Oh, she can talk like one. <laughs> do, do, nah, let's let's not do the old Patreon subscribe, iTunes, five star. No, we're, I'm not going to do that. Let's not do that. Yeah, let's not do that. Shall we just say goodbye? Let's just say bye. Bye bye, podcasts. I hope you enjoyed this quick little jaunt into this week's space. Keep looking up. Goodbye. Au revoir.